This is the fourth week and final week of our series called Father Abraham. And what we have been doing is looking, is looking at this man in the scriptures named Abraham and his life of faith that is celebrated in Hebrews chapter 11. He's a hero of the faith. And we're looking at what faith looks like, what it looks like to live by faith, what it looks like to, to fail, but still, still move on from that by faith, what it looks like all along the way. We're looking at Abraham as this model, this example, this hero of the faith. And I want you to finish these phrases for me if you know them. Put your money where your Yep. You can't just talk the talk. You have to walk the walk. You got it. Uh, this one may not be that easy. I tried it on Jenny and it didn't go well. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. Close. Close. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. And the last one I'm imagining everyone knows. Action speak. Louder than words. You got it. And on and on and on, there are these phrases in the culture, and all of them are pointing to, it's easy to say something, it's easy to think something, it's easy to write something down that you're about something, it's a different thing altogether to put action to it, that it is the action that reveals what is really true about you. Because your actions speak louder than your words, put your money where your mouth is, you can't just talk about it, you've got to be about it, you can't just talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. And so it's, just, it's, this, it's this understanding that helps us know actions reveal our real heart. Actions reveal, as we look in the scripture, actions reveal what we're really about. It will be no different as we look in the scriptures today. That we'll understand based on Genesis 22 and all kinds of other scriptures that authentic faith, genuine faith in God is revealed by our action, our faith, the strength of our faith, the genuineness of our faith is revealed in how we live, is revealed in how we act. And we'll see that today as we look at Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse one. Genesis 22, starting in verse one. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the, the, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there, laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. 
He said, do not, lay on, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So let's just observe the scenario here. God calls Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Hey, go to this land that I'll show you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to make a, I'm going to, and like multitudes of people are going to come from you. And I'm going to give you a kid, even though you're old. Abraham's like, all right. And he goes. Genesis 15, God confirms, no, you don't think that it's, I'm going to give you a son. Genesis 17, I'm going to give you a son. I know you don't think that this is going to happen. I know you think you're all old, but I'm God. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to give you a son. And then Genesis 21, verse 1, the Lord visited Sarah, that's Abraham's wife, as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised, and Isaac shows up. And they have a son, and Abraham's a hundred. And he has a kid. I don't know if you know much about how the body works, but that's not supposed to happen. But it happens because God is faithful to his promise. And so you can imagine the celebration. He's here. This is the son of promise. It wasn't Ishmael. It's Isaac. God said, it is Isaac. This is the son of promise. He is here. God has fulfilled his promises. Fast forward, Genesis 22. Hey, Abraham, take Isaac. You know, the one you love, your only son, and kill him. If I'm in that scenario and I'm Abraham, I'm like, I'm sorry, God, do what? You're talking about this, this son right here, the one who you promised me and have given me, the one through whom the nations are supposed to be blessed, the one through whom like, that, like we're supposed to disperse and make a people. Like you said, you had all these promises, God. It's supposed to come through him. If I don't have him, this doesn't happen, God. What am I supposed to do, God? And God puts Abraham to the test. That's what it says in verse one of chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and he tells him to go and sacrifice Isaac. There's a couple of questions that we ought to ask when it comes to God testing us. There are a couple of questions that we ought to ask when it comes to God testing us. Two questions that we're gonna ask. How should we respond in testing times and why does God test our faith? How should we respond and why does God test our faith? The first question, how should we respond? Well, here's the wrong response in times of testing. God tests our faith. Here's the wrong response. First, frustration is the wrong response. I get it. It comes up. You get frustrated. It gets hard. This is not what you expected. God was supposed to be good to you. And you're like, hey, what the heck, God? I don't deserve this. I've been good. I followed your ways. Can you imagine Abraham? He's like, God, I went to the middle of nowhere, bro. And you're going to make me like you finally got gave me this kid. And now you're going to take him. What is going on? I'm frustrated. But that's not what he does. And so we ought not be people who shake our fist at God and say, what are you doing? Why have you done this? I don't deserve this. Because when we do that, when we shake our fist at God in frustration in the middle of the test, what we're really saying is, I don't trust you. God, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. I don't trust you to be good. I don't trust you to follow through on your promises. I do not trust you. The second poor response would be abandonment. God, if this is how you're going to be, then forget it. I'm out. 
I'm out. You can imagine, you can imagine that, you can imagine that Abraham could do this, right? Okay, God, I've walked as far as you've taken me. I got, I got Isaac out of this, but you're calling me to this? Nuh-uh, Isaac, get your stuff. We're out of here. He agrees. I mean, you can imagine that Abraham would just bail. He's like, God, if this is what you're about, I'm not for you. I'll go worship some idol over here. He's not calling me to do that. And we, we so often find ourselves in that place. It gets hard. We get pinched. We get pressed. Our faith gets tested. God puts us in a place where he's like, are you going to obey or not? Even though it's difficult, even though it's unpopular, even though it's hard, are you going to obey? And we say, if this is how it's going to be, God, I'm out. And you know what that reveals in us? that we were really more about God's stuff than we were about God. I just wanted what you could give me, God. I didn't want you. Because when we bail on God, what we're saying is, I just wanted your stuff. I just wanted you to make my life easy. I didn't want you. We ought to be people who want God more than we want God's stuff. Because God's better than God's stuff. So what's the right response then? Let's observe that from Abraham's life and his response. God tells him, take your son, your only son, the one you love, take him, sacrifice him. Verse three, look at verse three with me. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had, or which God told him. He doesn't get frustrated. He doesn't shake his fist. He goes to bed and he wakes up early. The scripture says early, gets two of his guys and his son, and everything that he needs to sacrifice his son, and he goes. He doesn't half-heartedly obey. He doesn't, he doesn't just like 10% obey. He's in full obedience here. So the right response in the middle of the test first is obedience. Abraham fully obeys in this, in this time. Think about this. He doesn't just say, oh yeah, sure, God. Yeah, we'll do that. Abraham and Isaac walked away and didn't take any wood and didn't take a knife and didn't take any people but he takes everything that he needs and he sacrifice and he, he's going to sacrifice his son, Isaac. He's going to sacrifice his son, Isaac. He fully obeys. We ought to be people who fully obey because it's in the middle of the test that God is calling us. God is calling us. Are you going to obey or not? Are you going to obey? The second thing we find, we find in verse five, Abraham arrives at the place that God has told him to go. And then verse five, then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Did you catch it? I and the boy, we're going to go over there. We're going to worship. And then we are going to come back. Abraham has such great trust in God's promises. <laughs> he says, we're going to go over there. We're going to build the altar. And then we're both going to come back. Me and Isaac, both of us. You see that trust again in verse eight. You can imagine Isaac's like walking with his dad. He's, Abraham's like, hey son, carry this pile of wood. I got this knife in my belt. We're gonna light this thing on fire. He's like, oh, so I guess we're gonna make a sacrifice, right? And Isaac gets it. He's like, oh, we're gonna make a sacrifice. And so he's talking to his dad. He's like, okay, dad, I see everything we need for the sacrifice except for where's the lamb? Like, where's the thing that we're gonna sacrifice? And Abraham doesn't say, just shut your mouth. I'm gonna kill you. So here we go, like, That's not what he says. Look at verse eight. Abraham said, 
God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. He says, God's going to provide. God's going to come through. God sees. God will order this out. God will provide for himself a sacrifice, a lamb. God will come through. Abraham was so confident, so trusting in who God was and what God was doing and what God had promised. He told his servants, we're both going to go over there. We're both going to come back. Hey, Isaac, I know you're freaking out. God's going to provide. It's okay. God is going to come through. And the natural question that we should ask in this moment is, how in the world can he be that trusting? Either he's crazy or God's for real. How can he be that trusting? Because every step of the way, God has been faithful to him. From Genesis 12 to Genesis 22, God has not failed him. Why would he start failing him now? So here's my question to you. You get in the middle of the test and it gets hard and you're like, God, I didn't deserve this. Why are you, why are you taking me through this? What are you doing in me? I don't deserve this, God. Get me out of this, God. I'm gonna bail on you, God. If God has been faithful up until now, why would God not be faithful from now on? Why would he stop being faithful now? Why? He won't. He won't stop. This is how trusting and how faith-filled Abraham was. Hebrews 11 gives us a commentary about this moment. Hebrews 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Check this out in verse 19. He, that's Abraham, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham was so confident in God. Abraham was so confident in the promises of God. He's like, you know what? We could go over here. I could raise this knife and I could kill this kid. And you know what? I am so confident in God's ability that God could just raise him from the dead. That is not outside the box of God. That is not outside the ability of God. God could do that. I trust God that much. And we're saying that is absolutely insane. And what the Bible is saying is that is what faith looks like. It is, it is so strange, it is so extraordinary to everyone else watching. But this is what faith looks like. That the people around you, as you're going through the test, that it's hard and you're getting pressed and it's, it's not, they're looking at it and going, man, you don't deserve this, you're a pretty good person, you don't cuss, you don't do this, blah, blah, blah. But you're hanging on to God, saying, I'm going to live your way. Even though circumstances point to me not doing that right now, I'm going to live your way. I'm going to obey you because you're good to me, because you're faithful. That looks strange to everybody who would bail. It looks strange. So embrace God in the test and trust him. Trust who he is. Trust who he has been. Just look back. If you're frustrated in the season that you're in, if God is putting you in a test right now, or if you get to a test and you get frustrated, think in your mind, who has God been before? If God has been faithful before, if God has been good before to you, remind yourself because what he was then is what he is now. Remind yourself and trust God. And maybe the most important question, maybe the biggest question that you might be asking is, why on earth does God do this? Why does God test our faith? Why does God test Abraham's faith? What are the results of this? Because here's the here's reality. The answer to the question of why is revealed by the results of the test. 
The answer to the question of why God does this is revealed by the results of the test. Look at verse 9 order, bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Okay, so let's just stop. So if Abraham was just half-heartedly obeying, he would have never gotten this far. If you're just kind of playing a game, like maybe I can just trick God by taking all the stuff that I need and getting there, and then maybe God will turn this thing around. But no, no, no. He builds the altar. He lays his son on it and ties his son up. This is going to happen. Can you imagine how hard that would be? Can you imagine the moment where you as a dad pick up your squirming son who has figured out in your brain, you're going to kill me. And he lays, he fights him, and he puts him on the altar, and he ties him up. Because this is what God has called us to. And we're going to obey because God is good. We're going to obey because God is faithful. Oh, what a moment that would be for Isaac to learn about the God of his father. That he's faithful, that he's good. Let's trust him. Let's keep going in verse 10. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Verse 12, this is what happens. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. The first answer to the question of why does God test our faith? Here's the first thing because it reveals the strength or the authenticity of our faith. It is the test that reveals our authentic faith. It is the test that reveals the strength of our faith, or it is the test that reveals the weakness of our faith. The weakness of our faith. James chapter two, verse 21 says this. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. Check it out in verse 21 again. Was not Abraham our father justified? You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We talked about justification last week. Justified by works. No, no, no. Here's, you should think about it like this. Was not Abraham our father proven to have faith by his works? Didn't he prove to have really strong faith by the way that he acted? When he offered up his son Isaac on the altar, that's true. He was proven to have authentic, strong faith. And God has been doing this. God has been testing the people of God for centuries to test the strength of their faith. This happens in Deuteronomy chapter eight, right before the Israelites go in the promised land. They're like, they've been wandering the desert for 40 years. They're like, it's real hot out here. I'd like to get over there with us some grass and some good food. So let's get over there. And God says this to them in Deuteronomy eight, verse two, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you for 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know, to know what? To know what is in your heart, whether you would keep the commandments or not. That God tested them over and over again to see what was really in their heart because it was in the test that their real faith was revealed. What they really thought about God, what they really believed about God was exposed in the test. And that's true for us. You can say all day, I'm about Jesus. You can say all day, I would live for Jesus over anything else. But it's when you get pressed that that will get exposed. It's when you get in a test that it will get exposed. Do I really believe this or not? It reveals strength or the authenticity of our faith. Psalm 66 verse 10 says, For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. Have you ever... Thought about how metal's tested? 
It's tested under stress. They put it under stress to test its strength. Pull on it. They stretch it. They hang. It is under the stress that they test how strong it is. And the same is true for us. The strength of your faith will be tested when you're put in stress. Ask yourself, in stressful situations, in situations that you feel like you are completely out of control on, is the first thing you do shake your fist at God or is the first thing you do run to God and say, oh God, help. Because if your first reaction, if your first reaction is to shake your fist, to disobey, to turn your back, the strength of your faith is being revealed. But if your first reaction is to say, God, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. I have no stinking clue. This really stinks. By the way, it's not bad to acknowledge to God, this is awful, God. Let's just be clear. This is awful. So you come to God and you lay it down and you're like, you got to do something. That proves the strength of your faith. That proves the strength of your faith. God tests us because it reveals the authenticity or the strength of our faith. The second, the second reason God tests us and the result is we, we see in verse 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. That not only do tests and hard times reveal the strength or the authenticity of our faith, but tests and hard times develop more authentic faith. They actually strengthen your faith. Tests and hard times actually strengthen your faith. James 1, 2 through 4, check this out. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. James, you're crazy. I don't want to count it joy when it gets hard. But that's what he says. Count it joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Verse three, here's why. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James says that when you go through tests, when you get pressed and you hold on to God and you are faithful in that scenario, you know what it does? It strengthens your faith. It grows your faith. It makes you more mature. Think about this. Some of you work out, but at least some of you know what working out is, right? If you don't work out, you're like, I don't like to sweat. Well, you at least have seen a weight in your life. You work out, and for any of you who have ever worked out in your life and have been sore on the backside, being sore is not fun. It hurts. Working out hurts. If you're working out and it doesn't hurt, work out harder. But work, you, you, you go to work out to put yourself under stress, to put your muscles through pain. Why? So that they'll grow. You put your body through stress. You put your muscles through pain. And in that pain and in that stress, you grow and you, you get stronger. The same is true for our faith. If you could just think about faith as this muscle, it's you, when, you, when you exercise your faith in testing, you're, it's, going, it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. The less you exercise your faith, the weaker it gets. The more you exercise your faith, the stronger it becomes. It's in testing that our, that our faith is developed, that it's strengthened. And the third reason for why God tests, 
It's because it displays the character of God more fully to us. It is in the test that the character of God is revealed more fully to us. Look back at verse 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Look what he thinks about this. Look what he says about this. So, verse 14, so Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. It is not, oh, I found a ram, so we don't have to kill Isaac now. No, no, no. I had no idea that anything was up here. I thought, I'm certainly going to have to kill this kid. This is not going well. The angel of the Lord stops him, and God provides a sacrifice, a substitute in the place of his son. It reveals the character of God to Abraham. In that moment, God will provide in the crisis. God will provide in the crisis. It is as if God is saying in that moment, Abraham, I wouldn't have delighted in the sacrifice of Isaac anyway. It wouldn't have been good enough. So I provided a substitute. I provided a ram. Go get it and sacrifice it. That's a pleasing offering to me. You know what it should make us think about? That God provides for us in our sacrifice in our crisis, excuse me, God provides for us in our crisis. And our biggest crisis is our sin problem. And we're in this scenario where we desperately need a substitute. And we're in crisis and we don't know what to do. And God is requiring a sacrifice for our sin problem. But every sacrifice that we bring of good works, every sacrifice we bring of, I've read my Bible enough, it's just not good enough. God is requiring somebody to pay. And it was supposed to be us, but he gave us a substitute instead. And he sent a lamb, the lamb of God, his son Jesus as our substitute. And in our crisis, God provided a substitute for us. And Jesus came and died in our place and got up from the dead so that we could have relationship with God, so that God could reconcile us to him, so that God could bring peace to us in the middle of our crisis. God provided a substitute. And 1800 to 2000 years later, in the very same place that Isaac was put on the altar. Jesus was hung on the cross as our substitute because God provides in our crisis. And he comes and he makes the sacrifice for our sin. And his son, his only son, whom he loves, was slaughtered so that you and I could live and go free. If you, don't, if you don't believe that, if you're saying, no, I think I can be good with God apart from that, I would beg you to reconsider. I would beg you to reconsider. If you think that you can just figure out how to be good enough for God, you'll find that that will be so exhausting. And what you will find is that God is not even asking you to come and be good enough because Jesus was perfect in your place already. I sent you a substitute. Come and believe and be free and go obey. Yeah, obedience matters, but only as you express it as love to me. Not as a means to gain my love, but as an expression of love. God provided in our 
crisis. So I don't know. There may be some of you who have rolled through tests and you're frustrated with God. There may be somebody who are in the middle of crisis and hard time. And there may be some of you who are heading that direction. That's probably the case for all of us at some point. Here's the deal. I hope that we would be people who would embrace God in the middle of the test, who would embrace God in the middle of the trial, who would trust him enough to respond in obedience, to say, this is hard. This is awful, God. But I'm gonna do what you say to do because I believe that you're good. I believe your ways are good. You've been faithful to me before. Why would you stop now? Don't bail. Don't turn your back. Don't abandon. Embrace him. Trust him. Believe that he's good. God is working all things for his glory, for our good. And if it's for his glory, certainly it's for our good. And if you're in here and you're like, man, I'm not a Christian, or I honestly don't give a rip about any of this stuff, what I beg you to think about is how are you going to be good enough? What's going to be good enough before God? It won't be your effort. That's tiring. And what I want to put before you is that God has sent a substitute for you in his son. He died where you were supposed to die. Can you imagine what kind of love that is? And if God loves you that much, why would you not want to give your life to him? And if you want to do that, if you want to figure out what that's about, ask the friend that brought you or a friend that's with you or an adult in the back, that's totally fine. 